So, how many of you came ready to hear God's word today? Yeah? Okay. Fantastic. We have a lot of ground we are going to cover in our study today. So we're going to jump in. Let's just open our hearts and ask God to speak to us this morning, okay? Father, we come to you right now and God, we just lay aside distractions and the cares of life and the busyness of life. God, we just lay it all aside right now. And this is our time, God, that we come and we just choose to fix our focus on you. And Father, we ask that you would speak to each and every one of us this morning. Speak to us what we need to hear. God, you know right where each one of us are. Speak to us by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. All right. Well, in this season here at Bridge Women, our theme is She Unites. Because unity is so incredibly important to the heart of God. And as we started out this season, we've talked a lot about the fact that Jesus even prayed for us, for our unity, that every person who would ever believe in him would be united together as his body. He prayed for us. Unity is so important to him. Therefore, we know that he wants us connected with each other, connected in relationship with each other. That means that friendship is God's idea, okay? It's not just something that we can say, oh, I can take it or leave it. I, I, can, I, don't, I don't know if I really need friendships. I can have them or not have them. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It matters. Friendships are God's idea. They're important to the heart of God. And Jesus himself gave us examples with his own life of the friendships that he had. Maureen did such a great job last week as she taught and shared about the different types of friendships that Jesus had. Yeah, give her a hand. It was awesome last week. Thank you so much, Maureen. It was so great. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast from last week. But she talked about the different types of friendships that Jesus had. And he gave an example for us and the friendships that we have. We all need friendships. We need each other. But have you ever noticed that every once in a while, friendships can create a bit of a challenge? Now I know you're sitting next to your friend, so you don't want to acknowledge that you've ever had a challenge in a friendship. But every once in a while, things can arise between friends. Little issues can arise. And it's not something new. This has been happening since the beginning of time. Even the Apostle Paul, when he wrote the um, letter to the church in Philippi, he wrote the, the book of a... <laughs> Easy for you to say. He wrote the book of Philippians, and he, in that, in the fourth chapter, he even addresses an issue that had been happening between two women who had been serving side by side in ministry. <gasps> what? Christian women serving in ministry had a conflict between them? Yes, it happens, okay? We need to be aware, I, I think we're all aware, that disagreements hurt feelings, offenses, misunderstandings, they all happen, right? Okay, but how we navigate 
those things in our friendships is vitally, vitally important. Remember, we are called to unity, right? We're called to unity in the body of Christ to help create unity and to be in unity within the body. Therefore, we need to navigate the challenges that arise in relationships in a way that will promote unity. But when challenges arise, our human nature, our fleshly nature wants to take over. Have you ever noticed? And our fleshly nature wants to respond in a way that is not usually going to bring unity. I don't know about you, you're just so quiet this morning. But you know, sometimes our fleshly nature wants to just lash out at someone. Probably none of you ever have felt that way. <laughs> but sometimes that may be the response we want. Sometimes we tend to think on and meditate over and over on what someone did to us, the way that they hurt us. And all that does is breed bitterness in our lives. Sometimes we want to just pull away and withdraw. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. See, the approach that our fleshly nature will take when a conflict arises is not one that will bring unity, but it will usually bring harm to ourselves and to the other person involved as well. But I have good news because the Bible is full of wisdom regarding friendships, wisdom regarding relationships and how we navigate them. And so today, we are going to look at a lot of scripture. So if you're a note taker, I encourage you to get your notebook out and get your pen ready. And we're going to ask ourselves several questions today. We're actually going to ask ourselves six questions that will help us understand our part in relationships and will help us apply God's word and God's wisdom to our lives and our relationships, okay? So the first question that we all need to ask ourselves is what are my motivations in my friendships? In Proverbs 19.4 it says, wealth makes many friends but the poor man is avoided by his neighbor. In Verse 6, it says, Many will entreat the favor of a liberal man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. In other words, a lot of people have ulterior motives in their relationships and in their friendships. Too many people want to be in relationships because of what's in it for them, what they can get from it. It starts when we're very young. When we're in school, we always want to be friends with the popular kids. Why is that? Because we think it will give us acceptance and approval. We think it will make us popular. It will make people like us. And for some people, that carries on throughout the course of their lives. So. Ask yourself, are you trying to be friends with someone 
because of what you can get from it, what you can get from them, position, opportunity, acceptance, monetary gain. We need to be honest and examine our motivations in our relationships. It's interesting to me how many people I hear dropping names that, oh, they're friends with this prominent person and, oh, they're friends with this well-known person, only to find out that they're only friends on social media. Can I just tell you, that is not a friendship, okay? For those of you who are, aren't really clear on that, that is not a friendship. Sometimes people like to be friends with prominent people on social media to make themselves look good. Hmm, that was just a free tidbit on the side there for you. <laughs> but we need to ask ourselves, what is our motivation in our friendships? Because when our motivation revolves around us and what we can get out of the friendship, then we're only setting ourselves up for disappointment and hurt and will ultimately end up hurting the other person, okay? So if we want to eliminate some stress and strain in relationships, let's examine our motivation in our friendships, okay? Let's ask ourselves another question. Am I on the same page spiritually with my closest of friends? In 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Now, we talk about these verses a lot in regard to marriage and not being unequally yoked, but this also applies to our friendships, especially our closest of friendships, not talking about our acquaintances, or as Maureen said last week, the crowd, but talking about those who are close to us. People who are closest to us, speaking into our lives, need to be believers. Other people who love God and want His purposes and His will for their lives. Why? Why is this so important? Our friends have huge influence on our lives. You've heard the expression, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's so, so true. Think about it like this. If they don't care about God's purpose and will for their life, they're certainly not going to care about God's will and purpose for your life. They're not going to support you in that. They're not going to encourage you in that and help push you forward into the future that God has for you. We need to recognize how influential those people who are closest to us are. And then also, we need to realize that we all go through challenges in life, don't we? We all face things in life where we need to be able to talk to someone close to us and get godly wisdom and godly counsel from them. We need those people closest to us to be those who will give godly counsel to us. 
I cannot tell you how many times I have seen women going through marriage difficulties, getting their counsel from friends who don't even follow God, don't even know God. And so, of course, their counsel is worldly counsel. And I have talked to so many women who have said, well, my friends told me to take care of myself, to get out now, that I don't really need him. Wow. We need to have the kinds of friends and also be the kind of friend, but we need to have those kinds of friends who will bring us to the Word, who will stand on the Word with us, who will pray with us, who will help us find God's wisdom and guidance in the situations that we're facing. We need to surround ourselves with people that will speak godly wisdom into our lives, even when it's difficult. Because if it's a true friend who's speaking godly wisdom or even godly correction and love into our lives, it's a good thing. We can accept that because we know they love us, they love God, and they're looking out for our best and His best in our lives. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Godly friends sharpen each other and make each other stronger and better. That's why it's so important that we're on the same page spiritually with those who are closest to us. So, examine your friendships. Think about those who are closest to you. Are there some of your closest friends that aren't the kind of friends who will help propel you into the future God has for you? If so, then maybe we need to put a little bit of distance in those friendships. Maybe there are some people that we need to love from more of a distance and have those closest to us ones that will speak godly wisdom into our lives. We will help eliminate some relational stress and strain when we choose godly friendships. All right? Question number three. How do I respond to disagreements or differences of opinion? Have you ever had a disagreement with someone? Nope. Wow. You know, I'll let all of you come up here because you know what? I've had disagreements <laughs> with people. And although you're quiet and I heard that facetious, no. <laughs> if we're all honest, yes, we've had disagreements, okay? We've had differences of opinion. And you know, there will be believers around us who we interact with regularly who may have a, a difference of opinion than we do. Maybe there's people that we serve with even here at church, even here at Bridge Women. And maybe we might see things a little bit differently. I want to read to you what it says in Romans 14, verse 1. Listen to this from the Message Bible. It says, Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. 
And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. I like that. <laughs> I love that here at Bridge Women, we all come from different backgrounds and we are so diverse here. And we can say how awesome that is, how wonderful that is. But then when it comes to someone having a different opinion than we do, oh, all of a sudden it's not quite so wonderful. <laughs> can I just tell you? Yes, it is. It's okay. You know, this chapter, after the verses we just read, it continues on. And it says that some believers may have certain convictions about things that they should not eat or drink. And then other believers will have different convictions that it's okay to eat those things or drink those things, but it's not okay to eat or drink these things. They have different convictions. And then some believers may have a conviction about what day is the day to worship the Lord and that they set aside as the day of the Lord. And other believers may have a different conviction that it's a different day. It's okay. Because then it continues after that and it says none of us are permitted to insist on our own way in these matters. It's God we're answerable to, not each other. Okay, so we can't get caught up in all of these little differences. And then listen to what it says in verse 10. So where does that leave you when you criticize a brother? And where does that leave you when you condescend to a sister? I'd say it leaves you looking pretty silly, or worse. Eventually, we're all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment facing God. Your critical and condescending ways aren't going to improve your position there one bit. And then I love how this section ends verse 12 it says so tend to your knitting you've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God <laughs> everybody say I need to tend to my own knitting <laughs> really I didn't hear you <laughs> I don't know about you but I need to tend to my own knitting <laughs> See, we're going to see things differently from time to time. We're going to have different opinions. And we're going to be at different places in our walk with God. And that's great. It's okay. We can't afford to criticize, condemn, or try to force people to see things exactly the way we do. Let's agree that Jesus is the Son of God that he gave his life for us so that we can live in relationship with the Father. Let's agree that the word of God is the inspired word of God and let's each do our best to walk it out daily to the best of our ability. Amen? We need to be encouraging each other in that process and respecting where each other is at and remembering 
that every person has their own history. They come from different places. I remember one time in my life, it was actually a woman that I was working with alongside in ministry. And obviously, serving in ministry, we're both believers, love God with all our hearts, but we had some differences of opinions. And it wasn't just things like mentioned here in this chapter. There were lots of differences of opinions. And it really bothered me. I thought, this is creating so much stress and strain, but why is this? Here we are, believers in ministry. And so I began just really praying about the situation, bringing it to God, asking him to show me what to do. And I felt like he just really spoke to my heart, reminding me that she has her own history. And I felt like he really showed me that there were some things that she was doing that were simply out of insecurity. And I felt like he really nudged my heart to start sowing security into her life. And I remember thinking, God, how do I do that? And he began giving me ideas. And this woman was extremely talented. And so I began just complimenting everything I could, the things that she did. And, and just when she would do things, she was just so gifted. And I would tell her what an amazing job she was doing and how awesome it was. Instead of focusing on the differences, focusing on her strengths. And over a period of time, the differences began to be non-issues at all. God will lead us. He will guide us. He will give us wisdom and direction. But we've got to be willing to come to him for the wisdom and not get so focused on the things that we're disagreeing on. All right? Question number four. How do I respond to offenses? Anybody ever get offended? One, oh, two, thank you. <laughs> wow, okay. So, you know, maybe these little things aren't things that you can relate to today because you all have perfect relationships. But down the road, they just might come in handy, okay? How do I respond to offenses? In Proverbs 19.11, it says, Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. And Proverbs 79 says that he who covers and forgives an offense seeks love. To the best of our ability, we need to be women who will let things slide right off. Many of you have heard me share in the past that I believe as believers, we should live like we have rain slickers on, that we just let things slide right off. It would be so easy if we wanted to, to pick up so many offenses every single day. We could find them, we could pick them up if we wanted to, but why? It's only going to make us miserable. Let's let them slide off. Let's let those things just slide right off. In Matthew 6, it tells us that if we forgive others, our Heavenly Father will forgive us. 
I want to live in the forgiveness of my heavenly Father. So that means I want to live extending his forgiveness to others around me. So to the best of our ability, we need to let things slide off. But then sometimes there are situations that need some discussion. There are situations that need to be addressed. But the Bible also gives us wisdom and guidance for how to do that. In Matthew 18, 15, it says, Moreover, if your brother sins, and that word sins, it literally means to sin, offend, or trespass against. Okay? So if our sister, let's say, <laughs> offends us or trespasses against us, go and tell her her faults between you and her alone. I hope you don't mind. I'm changing the heat to her. Okay. We all know, understand the context. <laughs> and if she hears you, you will have gained your sister. But if she will not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So often, I see people just pull away and withdraw from others, pull away from church even, because of offenses. That's exactly what the enemy wants. So we need to stop and first of all, ask ourselves, all right, how big a deal is this? Am I just wanting my own way? Is this something I can just let slide right off? It may be. Or it may be something that then we need to deal with according to Scripture as we've been given wisdom right here in these verses in Matthew 18. And we go to them. That is our first course of action to go to that person one on one. If it's something that needs to be dealt with, we need to deal with it according to Scripture. Otherwise, we'll deal with it according to our flesh. And that will not bring unity in that relationship. And if we go to someone to deal with a situation, can I also add, we need to do it in love? Okay? So... There may be a situation that we know needs to be dealt with. We just need to have a conversation. We don't go to that person. I can't believe you did. Da, 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 da. And then we start bringing up all, everything from ever because we have those kinds of memories, right? <laughs> no, that is not the way we deal with it. We go to them in love. Let our words be seasoned with grace. We speak in kindness to them. Remember? This person's our friend. So if we go and let them know how much we love them, how much we value their friendship, but there's been something bothering us, something we need to talk about, and just open our heart in love, it will be received. It, it will diffuse the situation. And most often it'll make that friendship even closer. We can deal with situations, but we need to do it in love according to Scripture. And God gives us 
wisdom on how to do that, okay? Now, are we all capable of being offended? Yes. You know what that means? <gasps> We're also all capable of offending. But the Word of God gives us wisdom for that too. Because sometimes we do offend others. But in Matthew 5, 23, it says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. When we've offended someone else, not only may they be personally hurting, but we've also put a wedge between ourselves and God. He doesn't even want us to bring his, our worship to him until we've reconciled with that other person that we have offended. You see, when we deal with an offense that we've created according to scripture, not only will it bring unity in that relationship, but it will also unite our heart with God. He gives us wisdom in his word for how to navigate all of these situations. Question number five. Do I bring division into my friendships? Sometimes we bring division into our friendships without even realizing it. In Proverbs 16, 28, it says, A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A whisperer. That's a murmurer, one who backbites, slanders, a talebearer, a gossip. Do we ever talk about someone else behind their back? When we do, that separates even close friends. To separate literally means to sever and to cause to be out of joint. Remember, we're the body of Christ, and the word likens the body of Christ to the human body, right? We're all parts joined together, just like the human physical body. But to separate, it says it means to sever and to cause to be out of joint. Wow. So when we talk about someone behind their back, we are actually causing the body of Christ to be disjointed. We're bringing disunity within the body of Christ. So often people think, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, I'm just going to tell so-and-so such and such. It's no big deal. Nobody else knows. It is a big deal, and it hurts the heart of God, and we've got to be women who refuse to gossip. It separates the body. It separates even the closest of friends. And then in Proverbs 17, 9, we looked at this verse earlier. The first part of it regarding offenses says, he who covers and forgives an offense seeks love. But the second part says, he who repeats or harps on a matter separates even close friends. Are we always thinking about or talking about a situation that happened in the past? We've got to be willing to forgive and let it go. If we can't control our tongue, we will destroy our friendships. Our tongue is our greatest tool to bring division in our friendships. Let's use it to bring good into our friendships, okay? You know, so many people hate confrontation. 
So instead of dealing with situations and instead of going to friends in love, they end up going to everyone else instead, telling them what happened, telling them what she did, this and that, and we end up bringing greater destruction to our friendships. Let's refuse to gossip, all right? Let's deal with situations in love, amen? Okay, question number six, last question. Am I nurturing my friendships? Proverbs 17, 17, Maureen looked at this last week, says, a friend loves at all times and is born as is a brother for adversity. A friend loves at all times. It's easy to say, oh yeah, I love that person. Oh yeah, I always love them. Sometimes we just throw it out there just like we do. I love those shoes. Oh, I love your hairdo. Oh, I love your blouse. Sometimes we use that so lightly. A friend loves at all times, loves like God loves, with his kind of love. So are we loving as he does? One way to know is to do a little love checkup on ourselves and read through 1 Corinthians 13. When's the last time you read through 1 Corinthians 13? I encourage you this week to take some time to read through that passage of Scripture that so many people call the love chapter that talks about the way God loves. It reminds us that love never gives up, that love cares more for others than for ourselves, that love doesn't want what it doesn't have, that love isn't arrogant, that love doesn't put ourselves first, that love doesn't fly off the handle, love doesn't keep score of others' wrongs, love takes pleasure in truth, love puts up with anything and trust God always. Love always looks for the best. Love never looks back, but love keeps going continuously and never, ever fails. When we read through that passage and see all of the things that, that are encompassed in the love of God, that's a good checkup for us to know. Are we really loving as he loves? Are we loving our friends with his love at all times? And then that verse, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, continues and says, and is born as is a brother or a sister for adversity. Ladies, we're sisters. We're daughters of God. And as daughters of God, that means that we are sisters. And we are born to stand with each other through adversity, to be there for each other even through challenges and difficulties. That means we are born to work through our differences with each other, to refuse to just walk away and sever that relationship with other believers. But we're, we are created to work through those differences to create unity in his body. So let's not let the enemy into our friendships. God wants unity in his body. The enemy wants division. 
Which way are you going to go? Whose side are you going to choose? Maybe you've been dealing with some issues in friendships currently. Maybe you'll deal with some issues in friendships down the road. Can I just encourage you, when you find yourself in that place, get wisdom from God's word for yourself and apply it to your life. Very often, women want to get wisdom from God's word for the other person and tell them, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Our job is to get wisdom from God's word for ourselves. Apply it to ourselves. Make adjustments within our lives and within our hearts. And then, when we do, we put God's word to work, we let him work within us, then we'll see change. And then we'll bring about unity. Okay? All right. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, God, I thank you that you designed friendship. You designed us to be in relationship, in friendship. Friendship is your idea. And so, Father, I just thank you for the friendships we have in our lives. And God, I just pray that you would help us to be godly friends. And God, that you would help us to recognize areas where maybe we need to make adjustments in our friendships. Areas where we need to apply your word and walk out your word more fully. God, show us if there's areas where we need to make adjustments. Well, Father, help us to be women who will build up each other, who will pour into each other, who will love at all times and be the kind of friends that you created us to be. In Jesus' name.